This is Chris Abalo's podcast experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in live at skidrowstudios.com every Monday night at 9 p.m. As you probably know, we record the show at Skid Row Studios and stream live. So you can stream, watch, or listen to the show live as it happens. So thank you very much for doing that. Thank you for also following the show on Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr at Cape Pod. We do appreciate that. And of course, like Chris Abalo's podcast experiment on Facebook. And uh, tell your friends, of course, this show is very much supported by listeners, by you guys visiting our sponsors and by you guys spreading the word and telling everybody about it. So thank you very, very much for doing that. Uh, lots to do this week because relationships suck, but we'll get more to that. Uh, get to more of that in just a moment. Uh, but first, a couple of things. Uh, last week, as we mentioned, uh, Sherry and I were going to the Cat House live show down at Irvine Meadows, which was a blast, but rather than take up a bunch of time talking about it, since last week was pretty much all about music, I'm just going to be writing about it. So if you go to chrisabalo.com on Wednesday, which would be the 19th, you can uh, check it out in the blog section. I'm going to talk all about the all-day concert at Cat House Live, featuring many, many, many 80s bands, which uh, was a blast overall. No surprise there that we had, <laughs> we had a good time at the show. But uh, I'll be talking about that in detail uh, just in the blog. And while you're at chrisabal.com, please click the Support the Show tab and bookmark our Amazon banner. Clear your browser cookies, click through, and then bookmark Amazon. So every time you shop at Amazon and you go to your bookmark, Amazon will give us a small commission on your purchase, which is tremendous. doesn't cost you a penny more, but because you used our sponsored link, for this show, they pay us a small commission. It goes to pay for the show to come at you live from Skid Row Studios. It beats doing it in someone's basement or garage or whatever else. That's no slam to anybody who does it. Just saying we like being in the studio here. We like bringing you the show every week of such quality, at least broadcasting quality. Quality as far as the, the host goes, no guarantees, uh, no refunds. Thank you also for donating through PayPal, by the way. I've been getting uh, quite a few of those and uh, some on a regular basis. So thank you all very much. Uh, once again, that button's at uh, chrisabal.com slash support, or you can click on the support the show tab and I'll take you there. Along with, you can visit our sponsors, including, you know, it's funny. I, I've had a few people, including some of our uh, regulars here, talk about <laughs> how I do the ads, the way I kind of um, just speak the ads through. Uh, I'm going to do something a little different then. Let's try, let's, I'm going to be a little more regal, let's say, for an ad. Let's try that. Uh, like, a, like a refined, like a, a fine British voice. Let's do that. Dollar Shave Club. That's right, for all your shaving needs. Whiskers be gone. Get high quality razors delivered right to your door. Subscribe and get yourself razors. Dr. Carver's Easy Shave Butter. Mmm, delicious. One wipe Charlie's to take care of your bum. All you need to do to sign up is go to dollarshaveclub.com slash cape and get reasonably priced razors delivered straight to your door. See, how was that? That was a nice way to mix it up, right? Sound of a very regal, just British kind of sounding thing, huh? Maybe. Anyway, yes, dollarshaveclub.com slash 
tape. Uh, razors are a pain. They're always locked up, sometimes in the same type of case as the booze. Sometimes they're locked up with the booze. At least out here in California, they are. Or they're in individual cases, individual little prisons, like in a, like an escape plan. The Schwarzenegger Stallone movie. I'm the only one who saw it, maybe. And then the cashier has trouble fumbling and trying to get them out of there. Not that it's their fault. Half the time, the things don't work. And uh, you don't want to have to get... Nah, don't go through that whole hassle. Dollar Shave Club will deliver high-quality razors straight to your door. So you can sign up at dollarshaveclub.com slash cape. And yes, they also offer shaving and grooming products such as Dr. Carver's Easy Shave Butter and One Wipe Charlie's for You Know What. So check them out, dollarshaveclub.com slash cape. And we thank them for their support. All right. Uh, a couple of things. I am slightly frazzled, by the way, <laughs> because on the way here, no more than, let's say like 19 minutes ago, I avoided an accident coming here. Because some dick, some moron, had to cross three lanes because they realized they were in an exit lane and they were to my right and I was coming up on their left. So, of course, they had a... And thanks to a lot of time spent playing Mario Kart as a kid, I was able to just do evasive maneuvers and and just right around them and they were able to coast safely uh, across three lanes of traffic and not get off the exit. So, um, screw you, whoever you are. Random person. I, I don't even know what type of car it was. All I knew was I'm not getting in an accident because I need to go in the air. So I was able to swerve around. So I am slightly frazzled. So if it sounds like it, I apologize. If it doesn't, damn it, I'm sorry I brought it up. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> Sherry and I were talking about Rush and uh, the great documentary uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage. And in the last week, I've been on kind of a documentary kick thanks in large part to Netflix because there's so many documentaries that you can see on there that you probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. So uh, in the last week, I've watched four documentaries uh, and I want to recommend all of them because they were great and um, unsurprisingly have a lot to do with uh, movies and and music because I tend to enjoy those the most. But um, first one I'm going to recommend to everybody is Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. Many of you are certainly aware of the what's now known as one of the worst films of all time, the 1996 film Island of Dr. Moreau with Val Kilmer, and of course, Marlon Brando. And uh, the, like I said, now regarded as one of the worst films ever made, apparently. And uh, how it started out as being actually what was supposed to be anyway, a really cool sci-fi film. And through all sorts of things, all sorts of issues and setbacks and whatnot became a mess, essentially. Um, even more timely because of the, the, uh, <laughs> the reaction to Fantastic Four. Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of... A lot of things, uh, I don't want to say buzz about town because that makes me sound L.A. douchey, but uh, there are a lot of things about what happened with that film and why it had so much promise and why it turned out apparently to be not great. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but now, frankly, I'm even more curious to see it. But uh, there, I actually uh, also talked about a few months ago, The Death of Superman Lives. What happened? The um, Superman movie that was supposed to come out in the late 90s with Nicolas Cage as Superman and Tim Burton was going to direct it and it's... Now you can actually buy that, actually, The Death of Superman Lives, so go look that up. Uh, it's not streaming anywhere, but you can buy it directly from the filmmaker, which is awesome. But <laughs> people kind of think like, oh, such crappy movies. Why did all these stupid movies come out? It's really, really hard to make them. Not that I've made a, a proper movie yet, but it's really hard to make a movie and have everything come together and have the movie be at least good because there's just so many variables. So nobody sets out to make a bad movie. Nobody sets out to make a flop 
there's just a lot of things that can go wrong in a, in a situation like that. Uh, and this film was, you can see kind of from conception and a little bit of background uh, regarding the, the book it was based on. And just kind of everything they went through. And they talked to the majority of the cast, obviously not Marlon Brando because he's long dead. And uh, not Val Kilmer, unsurprisingly, when you, frankly, when you watch the documentary. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he really has uh, much defense for what went on. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of the cast and a lot of the crew, a lot of people involved in the film. And of course, the director who was then fired from the movie, Richard Stanley, who is pretty fascinating uh, involvement with regard to it, even what happens after he gets fired off the film. So I absolutely recommend that. Also watch while we're on movies, uh, Doc of the Dead, DOC of the Dead, uh, which is a documentary, not entirely about zombie movies, but it kind of goes through the history of zombie movies up to and including the mainstream culture that surrounds zombies, including things like Walking Dead, zombie walks, training camps where you can go and they'll train you for the zombie apocalypse or places where they give you the virtual experience of shooting zombies and all sorts of other madness, which was just a lot of fun. And, uh, all these documentaries, by the way, they're all like 80-something minutes. None of them are especially long. So it's easy to knock out four in the course of a week. Um, really fascinating, though. And talk to a bunch of people who are obviously uh, heralded for being huge in the in the zombie, particularly film world. Of course, they talked to George Romero and Simon Pegg and Bruce Campbell. You know, everybody who's been involved in uh, a lot of the, the favorites. Up to and including, it's from about two years ago. So it's up to including uh, like World War Z and like I said, Walking Dead and a lot more uh, mainstream zombie stuff. Uh, and just culturally kind of how zombies have become such a such a mainstream thing. Uh, really, really fun documentary, so check that out too. Mel Brooks, Make a Noise. One of my heroes, one of my filmmaking and, and writing heroes, Mel Brooks, who just made, he's made so many great movies and uh, still talking about doing a sequel to Spaceballs, which would be so perfect with new Star Wars movies coming. That would be amazing. I would absolutely love it. I'd be all over it just because I'll see anything he does, even though he hasn't done a film in... It's coming up on 20 years. But uh, kind of a career retrospective uh, with a lot of stuff about his personal life in there too. But um, you've all seen Blazing Saddles and History of the World. If you're younger, you've probably seen Men in Tights. Uh, if you're from the South, you've seen Blazing Saddles. Just kidding. Everyone's seen Blazing Saddles because it's hilarious. And it would never be made today. One of the best things about that movie. Could never get made now. Or even History of the World probably to a degree. No chance. Uh, but he's he's an absolute hero of mine, so I absolutely recommend Mel Brooks, Make a Noise. And finally, Jimi Hendrix, Hear My Train A-Comin', which is an authorized documentary and pretty much regarded as the definitive documentary on Jimi Hendrix's life. Not solely music, not uh, specific albums or anything, but just his, his entire life. And uh, it was fascinating, and it, it was Cool for me to watch to get more of a fully rounded picture because Jimi Hendrix was one of those people who, when I was younger, and particularly when I first started playing guitar when I was 16, I kind of didn't, I didn't get the hype around Jimi Hendrix because the only thing I'd really seen or heard largely was stuff from Woodstock, which was a little, a little out there and a little too psychedelic for my, for my teenage taste. So I wasn't really into it. And I just thought, well, it's, it was the 60s. So he was high. So he played a lot of crazy things and everybody loved it because they were high too. So I was kind of dismissive of it. It wasn't until I really learned how to play Jimi Hendrix songs and uh, heard more of the music, particularly songs beyond just like Purple Haze and, you know, the, the songs everybody knows, Foxy Lady. When I learned how to actually play those songs, though, that's when I really discovered how special of a player he is and how he really melded everything, all these different styles together between, um, let's say, pop guitar music of like Motown or, or R&B of the time and then also with uh, the 
blues and, and a lot of psychedelic rock and uh, really came to appreciate it within the last 10 years or so, what he's done and how, how special a player he really is. And uh, the documentary was very eye-opening. They talked to family and, of course, a lot of his contemporaries, including Paul McCartney, which, though you know, it's got to be a pretty, pretty important documentary. They got Sir Paul to sit down. Can I call him Sir Paul? Because he's British and that's a British thing and I'm American. Should I even regard him as... Well, regardless, Paul McCartney, you know who he is. Check out Jimi Hendrix, Hear My Train of Coming. Um, I will list these as well at the uh, Cape 63 post at uh, chrisabottle.com. Just uh, so you don't necessarily need to run it back and be like, what did he say again? What documentaries on who? So uh, they, they will be listed, but all these were great. Uh, again, watched them all within the last week and man, what a good time. Um, I got to say, just last night, I saw a commercial that threw me off a, a little bit. It was a commercial for an airline, which shall remain nameless. Not really important, although there's only like four. But uh, that they had this real like fancy, it was kind of specific to LAX too. So I don't know if it's perhaps as a, a regional commercial, but it was, uh, they're showing this, I guess the VIP lounge and they're showing just this place that looks like a, <laughs> this VIP lounge, which looks like a supper club. When you watch old movies, it's like tables and there's ele elegant lights everywhere. And this is this huge bar and guy in a white coat with a bow tie and uh, shit like that. And, you know, people getting served, you know, these nice meals and drinks, everything looks so classy. And I think this doesn't resemble my flying experience at all. Not even remotely. Because now granted, I'm not anyone's VIP when it comes to airlines. And um, I have yet to fly first class. I fly cattle class like the majority of you. So my airline experience is wait, you know, 42 minutes to two hours to get through uh, TSA and then stand there and wait for your, your row or your set of rows or your section to be called and then uh, sit in a tube for six hours breathing recirculated air. And uh, if I get hungry, I get charged $11 for what's generously referred to as a protein pack, which is really just a handful of pretzel sticks, three cubes of Colby Jack and six or seven grapes. Yeah, that's my flying experience. I mean, look, first class might be everything it looks like. And it, once you're actually on the plane, it could very well be bottomless mimosas and waffles any way you like them for the entire flight. But when I'm flying back mostly to New Jersey, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of sitting in the tube uncomfortably, able to lean my chair back about seven degrees and uh, try to nap or uh, pay to watch reruns of network shows. Uh, it's a blast. So it was, it's, it's really funny to see this and think, does anybody have this flying experience? Because I don't feel like this resembles my experience at all. And uh, if that's the case, I'm sure as hell haven't experienced it at LAX. So, um, wow. <laughs> I, but I aspire to. See, I really want to be the person who flies first class. And frankly, part of the reason I've never done it as of yet is because I don't want to be spoiled and then never be able to go back to, you know, then dread having to fly coach again. So I want to get to first class and stay first class all the way. That's how it's going to go. And eventually it will. Okay, last thing. And uh, then we're going to bring our guests in. I was listening to a, uh, an episode of WTF with Mark Marin. Great podcast. You're probably aware of it. Uh, it was an episode from last year with uh, author Brett Easton Ellis, who, uh, Brett Easton Ellis, who wrote Lesson Zero and American Psycho and uh, tons of books, who incidentally himself now has a podcast, which I, I will be listening to. 
But uh, they were having a conversation about relevance and how relevance is pretty much an antiquated term because, frankly, everything in, two, well, this was 2014, but everything in the last few years has become niche or niche or niche or however you say it. You know what I'm talking about. It's become niche where you pretty much find your, your people, uh, your audience, similar fans, whatever. You find your, your things and, and that's what you gravitate toward. There isn't just like one main thing. I mean, is it shocking when you say, uh, you know, Gilligan's Island used to have 68 million viewers a week. That's because there are three channels. There weren't a lot of choices. A bunch of people getting stuck on an island. Isn't that fascinating? What are they going to do? Stare at the radio, I guess. At the time, there was nothing. I mean, they could go out and see uh, maybe some live theater or something. Too bad relationships suck. Wasn't around then. But anyway, they could do something like that. But instead, they had to stay home because they had a handful of shows to pick from. And then at a certain point, TV went off the air. But now it's different. 24-hour programming, thousands of HD channels, and everything's at your fingertips. So, yeah, everything's kind of broken down to where everything has become whatever you're into, you can find it. There's not just one thing everybody's into. And um, even when it comes to podcasting, podcasts have become so ubiquitous uh, to the point where, I mean, there have been after shows for um, Breaking Bad. There are after shows people do for um, Game of Thrones or Walking Dead. Literally, like after the show is off the air, the next thing they do is go online. Some will live stream, some are televised. And they will talk about the previous episode and everything that went on for the last hour in real time and people will tune in and, and people love that stuff. You know, there are podcasts that are dedicated to certain shows. You can find podcasts to talk about Twin Peaks and Simpsons and Frasier and all sorts of things. And whatever you're into, you can find something and uh, stick with that. That's your entertainment. So who's to say what's relevant anymore? It doesn't really mean what it used to because culturally, I mean, I'm sure there are people living out here. I'm sure there are people I pass by all the time or who have even interacted with, who may very well be on TV or be in movies, but there's so much stuff that it's impossible to know who anybody is, or who I should say who everybody is. I mean, everybody's going to know, say, uh, Brian Cranston if they see him, which funnily enough, just by coincidence, I was listening to a one-on-one -on -one interview he did with Adam Carolla from uh, recently. That you can still find if you go to iTunes. Uh, it was from about two weeks ago. And he was saying that he was hesitant to take the role of Walter White in Breaking Bad because the show was on AMC because it's American movie classics. They don't do, they don't do TV shows. You know, is this going to go anywhere? And um, it was probably the same way when HBO started doing something like The Sopranos. Of course, they had Tales from the Crypt, which I loved as a kid. So HBO's had original program, Fraggle Rock back in the day. They've had original shows for a while, but when Sopranos came along and was getting all this attention, this critical reception, of course, Emmys and whatnot, I'm sure people were like, oh, this is, this is different. So I think, that's kind of where the tide started to turn where it's like, oh, this is subscriber supported. So it doesn't need to fit within a certain uh, box like networks would do. And now it's Amazon because they have Transparent, which is getting lots of Emmy attention and uh, just uh, positive, critical and audience attention and a bunch of shows on Netflix. So now, yeah, everything's kind of broken down to whatever you're into. You can find it and you can be into it. So so then what is what does it mean to be relevant? It doesn't really mean anything. I mean, people ask me about, you know, this show. How's the podcast doing? And I say proudly, got about 500 downloads a week. Now, mind you, that's just audio. That's not including YouTube. Um, and the majority are from iTunes, which incidentally, uh, if you are downloading the show on iTunes, please, if you could take a moment to rate the show, give it five stars uh, and write a little review. We would appreciate it because it does help when it comes to 
sponsors coming in and people uh, looking into the show to see its uh, performance and uh, getting various support uh, in that way. So if you or subscribe to it as well. If you don't want to listen every week, you don't have to. Uh, however, Lauren Sperling's here. This is her third time on the show in just a, a little over as many months. And so she'll be back frequently. So if you're tuning in because of Lauren, uh, she'll be back. You can listen to the show and see she's on. But if you click subscribe, you will still be supporting the show and it will still be something to show when either we're approaching sponsors or sponsors are approaching us asking about the show and we can say, oh, well, look, here's there, these are our reviews on iTunes and these are the subscribers we have and these are the different things we have kind of going on because there's an audience for this show. Frankly, it's something that I don't know whether or not we should have done it with the only podcast that matters because we never measured downloads for the show, which was just strictly an, an audio show. And um, it's kind of a good thing that we we didn't. I mean, frankly, I've only learned a lot about statistics and everything that kind of uh, a, a lot of the stuff within the last year since I've been doing the show, this show and here at the studio. So that changes things a bit for me. Uh, as far as now I'm aware of these things. But before, I mean, it, it could have, if the numbers weren't what we hoped or what different, um, the different guys had hoped they would be, that could have maybe been a loss of motivation for some people or it could have provided more motivation and the show might still be going now. So who's to, who's to know? <laughs> we can't really say. But um, yeah, the, the question of relevance, it's one of those things where you think, yeah, what, what exactly does it mean? In 2015, it doesn't really mean anything. Everybody has, has their audience. Everybody has the stuff they're into. And now they have the accessibility where they can find it. So um, that was just something I found interesting. And two podcasts that I listened to during the last week that happened to kind of coincide with that idea of, of what relevance is. So those are just my thoughts on that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back... Our guests will be in the studio telling us all about relationships. Suck. So we'll be right back. Oh, it's time for one of my favorites. Audible.com. The internet's leading provider of digital audiobooks. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, they have everything you could be looking for. And because you're such a wonderful listener and viewer of Cape, maybe you're both, maybe you're both. Ooh, wonderful subscriber. Let's go with that. Anyway, because you're wonderful, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial so you can try out their service and see what it's all about. Choose from all sorts of books, all the audiobooks by one of my heroes, George Carlin. Get all of those. Brain Droppings, Napalm and Silly Putty, When Will Jesus Bring the Pork Chops?, I just downloaded We Don't Need Roads, the making of the Back to the Future trilogy, which should be fascinating because who doesn't love Back to the Future? That's right. Nobody doesn't love Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. You're never weird on the internet, almost, by Felicia Day. Maybe you're a nerd. You like Felicia Day? Or something a little more aggressive like Gumption, relighting the torch of freedom with America's gutsiest troublemakers by Nick Offerman. Choose from any of these and many more by going to audibletrial.com slash cape. Sign up for your free 30-day trial, get your free audiobook download, and see what it's all about. Listen on your smartphone, your tablet, your PC, your Mac, basically any device. Get the app, download the book, or listen on the cloud, and enjoy. audibletrial.com slash cape. Do it.
Welcome back and re-welcome to the show, the re-returning of Lauren Sperling. Hi. Hi, welcome back. Thanks. And please welcome... You now, can call it, me Javi. It's uh, fine. Okay, Javi. <laughs> but... I just, I mean, because I, I have, now I have the car for relationship stuck in front of me. And um, I just, your name, as I was reading it before and making sure I was pronouncing it properly. And now that we're on the air, I immediately want to slip in like the Telemundo voice and be like, Javier Santovenia. That's good enough. Anoche. La programa de Cape. Because I feel, well, if I say like, it's going to sound just very white if I just say Javier Santovenia. It just sounds very sterile. It needs to sound sexier. Oh, thank you. So I'm just, well, I'm just saying it's, it's a very, because it's an exotic name. Well, I mean. You must think so. You've been living with it. it in English. It's fine. Javier is fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So the play is Relationships Suck. It is playing at the Loft Theater downtown. You can go to loftensemble.org for tickets. And uh, that is happening this weekend, Saturday, 8 p.m., Sunday at 7 p.m., and uh, tickets are $10. Once again, loftensemble.org is where you go for tickets. And uh, only four more shows. So this Saturday and Sunday, and then the following Thursday and Saturday, correct? Yeah. Yes. All right. So everybody get your tickets. I saw the show last night, and it was hysterical. <laughs> Thank you. It's a really, really funny show. I should say, uh, Javier actually wrote the show. And as one of the main stars of it. Thank you. Yes. One of the co-stars. <laughs> so you can just lean in a little bit and get a little into the mic. Thank you, sir. Why don't you, because we've kind of heard uh, bits and pieces of Lauren's story. Where did you start? Where did you get started, period, on earth? Where were you hatched? Um, yeah. I was born and raised in Guatemala City, Guatemala. Ah. Yeah. And, uh, so you know that voice I did very well. Oh, yes. A lot definitely. of mustache dudes, a little husky. <laughs> definitely. See, you know, very. Oh, yeah, I can do the voice. Very swarthy, like... kind of Latin. Anyway, go on. So, yeah, um, I... Went to school there. I graduated law school, actually, back home. And then I just realized I wasn't happy, and I moved here to become an actor. And I'm nice. set for life. This is what I want to do. So. <laughs> How long have you been here? I've been two years here. In oh, wow. Yeah. And you've already written a play. Is this the first play you've written? Yeah, this is the first play. It was originally supposed to be a, um, a TV show, which is what I wanted to do. But I'm like, I'm in theater. Let's take advantage of mm -hmm. it. And it became a play. So It's fun. It totally plays out like a sitcom, too. Because even, I, I mean, I don't want to draw comparisons, not that they're unfavorable, because no, these are all hit shows, but I'm thinking, like, when I was watching it, I was thinking Friends and How I Met Your Mother and The Odd Couple, because a lot of it revolves around the apartment where these five friends live. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And uh, so much happens in there with, you know, a, a lot of different emotions, <laughs> a lot of different um, <laughs> friendly activities and confrontations and all sorts of stuff happens in this living room that, yeah, it really could play out like a... Like a sitcom or even like something like The Odd Couple, like in the film. I was telling Lauren last night, like when you watch the movie, the first almost half hour just takes place in Oscar's living room. Yeah. And you're just kind of watching it. It's like dudes playing poker and then the phone goes off and, and you know, it's, it, it plays out very nicely in one setting to where it's like, oh, because it's a stage play. Of course. <laughs> like it just works. So watching this last night, I was just like, this could totally play out like a sitcom. And a few people I heard say it to you after the show as well. Yeah, people, a few people said it. it was like a mix of Friends and Will and Grace, which mm. is so funny because that's how, how I grew up. I grew up watching those shows. That's, oh, for sure. That's why I want to be an actor. So, um, yeah, it was definitely an inspiration. And then just based on true events of my friends from back home and some of my friends here mm. and 
all our sucky stories came to life. <laughs> <laughs> which everybody can relate to. Yeah, which is some of the best parts. When people ask me about the play, they're like, what's the name? I'm like, relationships suck. I'm like, oh my God, I can totally relate. I was like, yes, that's what I wanted. That's awesome. <laughs> that's the hook. Yeah. It's just like, definitely. well, you know, it's a title everybody gets. Yeah. yeah. And it's self-explanatory. That, that's what the play is about. Right. Well, see, that I always get pissed off when movies don't tell you what they're about. Like, is that at a movie animated movie that came out a couple years ago called Epic tells you nothing about the movie. Yeah. Argo, frankly, tells you nothing about the movie. But like Snow Dogs tells me exactly what the movie's about. So I get it. Like Dogs and Snow. Right. Snow. Like, I get it. Do they, is there sledding? All right. I get it. But, um, so yeah, just immediately everybody knows relationships. Like, oh my, it, it makes total sense. And frankly, it even has a sitcom friendly title. Actually, since you said uh, growing up in, in Guatemala, are American sitcoms prevalent there or is American television oh yeah American television is, is big in Guatemala is it like, really we we have ABC CBS NBC and oh. we sometimes we get them a little bit later like right season behind but for the most part we the they get all the, the they get all our stuff wow we're, we're very Americanized when it comes to TV for the most mm. part yeah that's I, that's probably our biggest export TV and film yeah I think in this country I would mm -hmm. I, I'd say so <laughs> entertainment's the big uh the big Export product, which is hilarious because it's intangible. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else has their specialties. America, it's all, well, now it's all digital. Um, so this all came about just because of friends, your experience, friends' experiences as well. Which, yes. I mean, there was such a such a great balance to it, too, because obviously there, there is a, a gay relationship in, in the play as well. Yes. Which is, I'm going to get at least slightly informed by experience. Yeah. I'm no, going to get, okay. That story is actually exactly true. Oh, really? Like, it was so crazy. For you or for a friend? You could say a friend no, if you want to be. No, that was me. Okay. Was me. Well, I'm, I was giving you the out <laughs> if no, you wanted fine. it. Like, I, I, I pretty much put all my secrets and everything out there, which I think that's what people want to know. People don't want to see fake right. acting and fake, like, stories. People, people, I think people relate more when the story's real. So, yeah, that story's absolutely real. Everything happened. And it was so ridiculous about mm. what happened that I was like, I have to write this because this has... People have to see this. People, there's people out there that do this kind of thing. Oh yeah. So I was like, yeah, I have to tell the story, and that's how. And everybody too has an experience. Not not to give anything away, but um, essentially the the character that you play falls for a new roommate up down the hall, oh, yeah. and a roommate, new tenant rather, down the hall, and uh, apparently is very uh, very loose with the. <laughs> With uh, some other people with in the a neighborhood, lot of other a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> but it's something that anybody, regardless of the fact, you could you could take out of it the fact that it's it's a gay relationship that's going on. But men and women have dealt with that, where the opposite gender has done the same thing to them. So it's that's just a human problem. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That that everybody's dealt with, where it's just like, wait a minute, I'm one of seven people you're seeing right now. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? And in a way, it's it's one of those things that um. Uh, particularly here, like when I, I uh, meet people who are from places uh, outside of America and uh, they talk about how like dating is weird here, like especially with, um, well, now it's more prevalent with online dating where it's like everyone's dating a bunch of people at the same time or like everyone's lining up two dates in the same night or something. And they think it's so weird like that people do that here like it's such it seems like such an american thing to just like i oh, just date tons of people because we're excessive <laughs> i guess is what it is <laughs> i'm just gonna honest, date everybody like dating sucks everywhere i come from a different country and men are the same in every part mm. of the world and so are women we all suck at some <laughs> point. so it's, we all screw up and we all we're make all mistakes and we fall he in love said with the wrong people so it's 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 really i think it's more of an international thing we mm -hmm. all go yeah. through the same stuff everywhere 
That's true. Well, it's, it, it's human. It's a yeah, human story, which is the f- which is the funny thing. And fu- and funny, I cannot emphasize how funny this thing was to the point where I was trying to temper my laughter a little bit watching the show last night because I thought, well, I don't want to be obnoxious. I, I'm a f- complete faith that Loft Ensemble players will not break character just because this jackass is laughing at the show. But considering how other people, so many people were laughing out loud, I just went with it eventually because there are a lot of hysterical moments in this show and moments of gasping and and all sorts of stuff. Like everybody really, because there's that, there's just that human story, that, that personal story that everybody has. And considering it revolves around these, these, the relationships of these five characters, Everybody can relate to it in some way, or they have somebody in their life who can relate mm-hmm. to exactly one they know of a these. friend. Like, oh, that's my friend. This is my best friend, or that's the guy I used to know, or whatever. Totally. Yeah, there's, there's at least if you can personally relate, I'm pretty sure you know someone who's been through something has that all happened those in the play. Major archetypes. Yeah, in it. definitely. So, what? Give us a little breakdown for for everybody who hasn't seen the show. This just these characters and kind of what they're dealing with. Well, basically, it's the story of these five roommates who each of them have have a relationship or lack of, and that's why they're all affected by it. Because if we're honest, everyone, a big part of people, people's life is the search for love. It's sure. a huge part. So it's how some of them kind of think they know how to go after it, but they really don't. Some actually do, and they're not taking advantage of it. And some get tricked into thinking that it's real, and it's not. And um, I think... One of the main points of the show is to realize that even though we may not find romantic love, there's a little love coming from so many other places. Yeah. Like the friendship of the roommates, I think, is one of the most important parts that you mm-hmm. realize. Relation- not all relationships suck. So that's kind of like, it's important for people to know that. Yeah. Everybody, well, everybody hears the title, everybody hears the statement relationships suck, and everybody immediately goes to romantic relationships. It's like, oh, tell me about it. But you don't think about, you know, family and friend relationships. Yeah, there, there's more yeah. out there. It's, there's, of course. There's support, there's family, there's friends, and then we get through those sucky relationships. We get through them because of our friends and our family and everyone that support us. So love is everywhere. I do yeah. believe that. It's funny. It's one of the things that's said as a, I mean, as a writer as well, like it's, it's one of the things people say about buddy comedies. It's a, a love story without sex. Yeah, you know, the Lethal Weapon movies, you can take it. It's just like, it's a love story. It's between these two guys. Or you could say maybe even a father-son relationship, but, you know, it's 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 love, but it's just, it's not that kind of relationship. Definitely. Whereas, uh, where it's, if, if it's a romantic comedy, then it's kind of a buddy comedy with sex as a, as a goal. I'm using my hands to gesture as if nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just get very animated when I'm talking. Um, so, how, why theater? When you, when you came here, is it just the first thing you got into when you came to... <clears throat> did you come to Los Angeles first? Um, no, this is my first... I, I came here to Los Angeles uh, when I moved here. It's the first time. Okay. Um, I do... Uh, what theater. a head fuck. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of cultural shock things. Yeah. Like, oh, God. But um, I, I'm, I became a fan of theater. I never thought it would be. But just being... Like, feeling the energy of the audience. Just, they feed you so much. I mean, we've been having rehearsals and things were going great. But just having an audience... They just fill you up with this life, and it just makes you want to. It just makes it so much better. So I've I've actually grown in love with theater. I never thought it would happen, and I'm I'm like a huge fan of theater now. I love it. It's just that contact with the audience mm-hmm. you don't get when you do film or TV, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also like it, I mean, since I've been doing the show live since January, it's that kind of immediacy of it. Where also it's like it's out there, and people are going to react to, it and that's it. So there isn't like endless takes, and there isn't refining it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going through, which is refreshing to just go out and do it. And then, you know, like I leave here and I'll have a bunch of tweets from people who are tuning in live to the show or whatever. And 
uh, th there will be that response. So it's great to do that and know that people are, are responding to it. Whereas you won't know until, you know, how many months later of post-production if you're doing a film or a, a yeah. TV show pilot or what have you. And it's when also people so are exciting because anything can happen in live theater and you have to do oh, it because yeah. you can't like stop the show and be like, oh, let's, no, you just keep going and it makes it so exciting. That's and how you find some of the best moments. Like the first night, <laughs> my boyfriend in the show called me the wrong name <laughs> and I was supposed to get up and leave anyway, but it even pushed that moment and made it more real mm -hmm. just by that slip of his brain. And right. it was gorgeous. It was like a, a wonderful gift. You never know what's going to happen <laughs> because people are clumsy and forgetful and like you can rehearse for a year and still mess it up. Yeah. Um, but it's usually even the mess ups make it even better. So. Yeah. Like oh, on opening night, this girl in this great scene, just her shoe broke. <laughs> and it fit so perfectly for the moment and how she dealt with it was just amazing. Like people actually stopped and like like got up and clapped <laughs> because her performance was so amazing and the shoe part just made it way better. So yeah, it's, it's super exciting and that contact with the audience is something you can't get anywhere else. It's one of the funny things too that's kind of um, almost sullied the live experience in a lot of ways because now everybody's, you know, their own, everybody's a filmographer and they got to record everything. I mean, look like at the concert I, I mentioned earlier that I was at Saturday and everybody's doing this, holding their phone up, and then they're watching the concert on their phone because it's up to yeah. them to film it because, you know, nobody else is doing it. And then they're not actually experiencing the show. And there was a point when, it, I forget who it was, one of the singers from one of the bands said, just put your phones away, enjoy this for what it is, yeah. don't record it, you know, just be here, be in the moment. And with theater, it's like you have no choice. In a lot of cases, the audience too, because a lot of places yeah. let you whip your phone I don't out. know if you saw, uh, I posted like a week or so ago, Benedict Cumberbatch is doing Hamlet in London yes. right now. And yes. people are recording it in the theater. They are recording it. And so he used the stage door experience to like not really be an asshole, but to be like, hey guys, like put your phones away. Like we don't want to have to kick you out. Right. Put it away. Like it's a live theater. It's something that you get to experience. Never, no one else gets to experience it. Enjoy that. Right. And it, ugh, I, I hope people do. I hope people stop recording it. It's one of those it's, things. It's a, it's a once in a lifetime experience. It is. Why? Why you want to? Why are you going to tarnish that? For any live performance. Yeah, like exactly. that's part of the fun is being there. Yeah. Not like do you have shaky cell phone foot and nobody's going to ask. Sharon and I were talking about that last week with concerts. Like nobody's going to ask you. Like do you have cell phone right. footage you can show me? Like especially something like that. National theater is recording it to put it in movie theaters. Totally. So yeah. why you're not going to watch it on your phone? <laughs> Go watch it in the theater. Well, at the same time, it's like we. Nothing has been in a Cumberbatch, but it's not like this is the only way you can see him act. Yeah. <laughs> like he's been in plenty of stuff. Yeah. Like it's not as if like this is a, an experience that only you can. I, I don't get that either. But th that's part of the fun, though. From the, I get it from like, the performers aspect, and same thing from from, excuse me, performing music for ages too. It's like just that live interaction and feeding off the crowd, and just like this is happening in this moment, and that's it. Yeah. Like you, you Definitely, literally, yeah. you can't. Phone it in. And sometimes you accidentally go on autopilot. Like someone may call you the wrong name. Yeah. Where you're like, you know, it's like you, you kind of feel like you have that that safety cushion of muscle memory or whatever. You know, like it's in there. Yeah. And I'm going to deliver the line because I've been over so much. Actually, that happened when I saw you in a Catalyst as well. Yeah. When, <laughs> oh, yeah. And you, yeah. And you were able to play it off. They called you. Um, I forget your character's actual name. They called but he called her Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Rachel. Yeah, yeah. And you turned just like, did you forget my name? My <laughs> it's like, which was perfect because she's a girl who's in this institution. I, I love And she was. I, I, Kind of short with people. Yeah. If they push your buttons anyway. As much as I got frustrated because there were multiple times that mm -hmm. that scene got messed up, um, it was also nice because it forced me to not be on autopilot, mm -hmm. especially with Catalyst, because we'd been doing this show in total off and on for over a year. 
mm. uh, between the two runs. Uh, so it was very easy to go into autopilot for it. It's a character that I know so well now that I can just like, okay, we haven't done the show in the week, but cool, I did it, we're there. But it really forced you to be in the moment. And I came up with some really awesome things that I was excited <laughs> about, like in character, which is always a fun, uh, fun challenge. So there, there's a thing, um, a story that uh, the uh, immortal Robin Williams told when he was on WTF with Mark Maron, where he was talking about filming The Fisher King with Jeff Bridges, mm-hmm. so Jeff Daniels, <laughs> um, where he somehow he just he's messed up a take, he flubbed his line or whatever it was, and he was he was upset himself for messing it up. And Jeff Bridges said, "No, don't worry about that. It's it's a gift." Go with it because it's real. It's it's something that just happens in the moment. It's, don't get angry with yourself. Just go with it when it happens. Yeah. And this is Robin Williams who's taking advice off somebody else. Yeah. Like yeah. the guy who could do anything and still, <laughs> even, I mean, it's, on one hand, it's refreshing to be, to realize like even in that moment, he's like, ah, as accomplished as he, as he was. It's still like, you know, to get irritated, but to have somebody say like, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. Like if that happens, just we'll, we'll work our way through it. And there was, um, oh, I forget who was just doing a play. It'd be great if I could remember who was involved. Um, a play that was going on the stage, I believe, in New York. And one, there was a point when um, one actor said to the other, I think it was James Earl Jones and somebody else, and I can't remember what it was, but said when um, taking too long, a, like t- took an extra beat or two for a line and then turned through his monologue and said, can you help me out? And then fed the next line. Like it was one of those moments that <laughs> the audience wouldn't have known. Yeah. But in that moment, they're able to kind of react to it where it's like, oh, wow. And um I've had that experience too. Like even with playing music, I remember stopping a song one time I was performing. It was just me with an acoustic guitar, just singing and playing. And I stopped for a moment in the song and then suddenly kind of like went back into it. And um, since it was performance uh, when I was at school, the teacher said, if you mess up, just keep going because the audience doesn't know what you came here to do in the first place. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where nobody knows necessarily how you had in your head or how it's supposed to be. They're just here to watch the show. It's so funny because you mess up a line and you're like freaking out, I messed up the line, but nobody knows. Is that for the director, the other right. actors? The audience, yeah. to the audience, it's the first time they're hearing it. So it's like, if you get that in your head, you're like, it's cool. I messed up, I won't mess up again. You just keep going and it makes it great. And sometimes, like, I, like Lauren said, the mess ups just make the show even better. It just oh, yeah. gives little moments that unexpected and they're like real and happening in the moment, which just mm-hmm. makes it amazing. It keeps everyone on their game too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well. You really don't have a choice other than to actually hear what the other person's saying and react to it. But that, and like you said, that's real. Yeah. Cause now you're having yeah. a real reaction. You're not just reciting lines. You actually need to be this character and respond and listen yeah. to what the other person's saying. Yes. Well, it's like Adam said, Adam Chambers, who's been on the show before, yes. is our artistic director. And uh, during tech week, he told us, he's like, you know, we, most of us went to acting conservatories. So we've spent way too much money getting training all acting is is having a conversation yes that's all it is but we make it way too complicated Mm -hmm. for ourselves and way overthink it way too much but it's just having a conversation yeah Yeah. it's funny one of the things um when i moved back out here three years ago and was seriously pursuing voice acting and a friend of mine very long list of credits actor named rick scary uh who was actually on cape four i believe you go all the way back to two years ago (laughs) Um, when he sat down to talk to me, cause I wanted his advice as somebody who's been doing it for, you know, and, and he got in the game late. He was almost uh, 40 at the time we started acting before that was all radio. But, um, he's been on tons of sitcoms and Hallmark movies and all sorts of stuff. You know, he's, he's done a, a ton of stuff. So I just wanted to ask him kind of like, what, what do I need to know? What do you wish someone had told you 30 years ago when you started doing all this? And, uh, he said, nobody cares about your experience. They don't care how many shows you've done. They don't care what your training is. They don't care where you went to school. Nobody's going to ask for any of that. All they want from you 
is you to do what they need you to do mm-hmm. when they ask you to do it on so cue. On the, so yeah, true. so it's like there, there's this thing where it's built up and, and nothing gets it. And I'm not a, a proper trained actor anyway, you know. So, so for even me to go and um, having auditioned for, uh, I mean, particularly for commercials and whatnot, and uh, this, the part of me is just like, wow, is this, you know, where I think like, well, what's the, what's the competition going to be like? But it's something that I can't really, I can't use it to bog myself down because then you're just going to go crazy. Like people live and die by whether or not they land in, you know, yeah. land apart from an audition. And it's like, you can't that. do that because you don't know what the other person's looking for. But yeah, it's, it's funny how like it's, it's built up performing. And I did the same thing to myself when I was playing music. It's just like, it's not good enough. It's like, well, don't like you have to do it because there's no other way you're going to break through right to what you need to to the way you want it to go lauren why do people always cast you as the bitch i don't understand <laughs> I, don't know. Like, is, I can't i can't imagine anybody saying you're like this anyway you want to do it on stage like it's such a 180 well it's funny you're crazy and you're every part you're crazy you're a bitch whatever and yeah. it's just not it's so far from i mean sh- shows your acting chops off yeah it's been it's been a nice challenge um because i'm so used to playing the like quirky, happy, best friend in musical mm-hmm. theater and stuff like that. Um, but then with, or even Tinkerbell, for instance. Um, but then with Chico's Monsters as the bitchy cheerleaders, <laughs> uh, it was nice because it was still like a caricature. So mm-hmm. I could kind of go into my comfort zone. Um, but I got pushed a little bit further for that. But then with, with the Chavez show, um, the first few weeks actually it was very different from what it was. Um then we all finally realized, no, it is a sitcom. We we have to have those archetypes and, and realize I was the villain. Um, and so we just completely changed it. But that was the thing is uh, one of our uh, board members came in to watch the show during one of our earlier runs. And she was like, you're too likable. <laughs> no. Is that, is that when the wig came into it? Or was the wig always there? Um, wasn't it? Soon I after. It was. I, I wanted to get a wig regardless. Um, it wasn't going to be blonde at first, but that <laughs> definitely helped. Um, and it's funny because it's so tight that it just puts me in the worst mood. <laughs> so it really helps. Like the wig is the bitch is the funny thing. Um, in look. And just brings it to it. the surface. It, it really does because I sit with it on my head for two hours and I hate it so much. But it's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, but yeah, no, I wanted, I knew that especially my hair was not right for this character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just going to get a brunette bob. But then actually who was like you were too likable we met to chat about how i should change the character and and get the wig at the same time so then after that it kind of clicked in together into place not too long after that but and the cell phone like she's on her phone the whole time she's just so <laughs> yeah, disconnected there are some physical like, things that you were doing yeah too which i don't i don't want to give stuff away but it's also if anyone's just listening to describe it, it seems a little mm. But uh, yeah, just a few <laughs> things that you kind of did where it's just like, oh man. Well, it's because Everyone in the audience was like, mm. yeah. you can feel everybody kind of growling. And under- it's so cool because Lauren is not that character at all. As a no. Person. She's amazing, the sweetest girl ever. And she plays a horrible bitch. <laughs> and she does She sells amazing. it. Oh, well, she we totally. were having this conversation last night when we were talking, Chris and I, after the show, like, every, Maddie, everyone was coming up to me and be like, I hate you so much. I hate you. And I was like, this is this is the only time you want people to actually hate, hate you. Yeah. I was like, Thank you because I've been struggling so much to be hated <laughs> in this role. So it's really validating and reassuring and to have people hate me. Done it. <laughs> you did it. But, Everybody's saying, "Oh, I hated that girl," but yeah. thankfully everybody knows how sweet you are, so they're not well, actually I was, bothered I mean, by it. With the cell phone, though, going back to that, like I was so hesitant to use it because I hate that. Like I hate not being connected mm-hmm. to my acting partner. 
But for the, it had to, it had to. It's just the time right now too, because it is a modern day show. Oh, for like, sure. That's what, everyone's always on their phones. We had a moment in the car when we were both on our phones uh-huh. and he was like, just sitting in the parking lot. He's like, I feel like such a Carla right we're now. We're so Carla. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, I, I have to ask because this probably helps because with, um, this is the, well, technically the second play I've seen at Loft, but the third involving uh, the Loft players. Mm-hmm. But um, did you did you have this kind of going already, or did you write it with these a, a lot of these players in mind, with a lot um, of the actors in mind? To be honest, um, I had written like a few scenes of stuff that's happened just to record it. So when I hopefully one day get my show on TV, uh, it would become a thing, and I already have stuff written. And then I saw actually Catalyst and April Morrow, who wrote Catalyst, just inspired mm. me so much to write. I didn't have that kind of story that's so intense and so beautiful, so truthful. But I had my own truth. And then when I wrote it, I was like, cool, I have these people. And the only person that actually has been in my mind since the moment I wrote it was um, Mikila Khan, mm-hmm. Sophia. Mm-hmm. She, she, I wrote it thinking of her, and it, the character just fits her so well. And then <laughs> all these other actors that I casted, I, like, I, I believed that my show was good enough when I wrote it, but they just brought it mm-hmm. to life and made it 10,000 times better. I'm so happy and so proud that every each and every one of them is part of the cast because they made they've made it amazing. So yeah, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant cast. Yeah, it We're is. No, every everybody was. That's why it felt like, and that's one of the things I want to ask you because the stuff I've done in the past, the different sketches and whatnot I've done with my friends, I've the the fun part about working with people you know is if you're writing something, you can write to their to their personality. Where if I, the things I've written where it's just like, you know, well, my friend Andrew would say it like this, so I'm just going to write it as he would say it if he were just reacting to it. So it's fun to be able to do that where it's, you know, you can, de- you know, the person will deliver it the way you intended. I mean, I've never written something blind for for somebody who I didn't at least picture in my head. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's cool the way you're able to tweak it because everybody just, I mean, and for that, if you hadn't written it that way... Everybody completely sold it. <laughs> I mean, oh, just no, the way yeah. it came well, out. I think aside from Jave, Michaela, and probably Nick, who plays Andrew, no one else is really like those characters. No. It's, no, no. So it's been really fun and amazing to see how everyone else has adapted. Mm. Like, I had to adapt for this character. Like, Mitch, who plays Barry, is not like that at all. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Total switch. Total um, switch. And seeing that come out of him has been amazing for all of us. And Alex, too, turning Brenda goth. That was brilliant. Yeah. That Brenda was not goth <laughs> to begin with. Um, yeah, like they've all had these like amazing choices that they made for each and every character. They just mm-hmm. gave the show a hundred extra percent. It was just, it was, it was so amazing. They, I'm so proud of them. Like super, super happy. And even though I, I did have like a certain archetype when I wrote it, um, April again, April Morrow gave me, said, said to me, she was like, "Just follow your gut." So when we were casting, I was like, "My gut says you." I'm following my gut, and then it paid off. It paid off. I'm so happy. It's it's been it's been a great run, and it's super super fun as well because we're all friends. Mm. So I think that helps the dynamic as well. And the people that yeah. were not lofters, they just clicked yeah. with us. It was and we've great. been doing a lot together as a cast, like which has been hard because I'm supposed to hate them, and I love them so much. Like <laughs> we had a sleepover, we had a bonfire. Like we're really actually gross with how much we like love each other and talk. We have like 350 missed messages throughout the day. Like between our group mm-hmm. chats, it's just it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. That's the, that's the fun of finding something, and that's as as I've said before, when you've been on. That seems to be like the theater vibe where everybody's kind of there's more of an all for one. Yeah, yes, I mean, it definitely feeling. varies from cast to cast. Oh, um, sure. But you you always have your little family for each show. 
like for me, whatever that dynamic is. I would is. say from all the places I've been, this is probably the closest cast. Yeah. And it's just one definitely. of the most, even though it, there's been ups and downs, still one of the most fun rehearsals we've I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I have to say, between the the writing and the performances itself, I think a lot of the reason people connect, I mean, certainly the audience I was in last night, I think everybody really connected to the way those archetypes were nailed. They kind of have the uptight, almost prudish goth chick. You have the socially awkward guy. <laughs> you have the guy who's in a relationship with the wrong person, but kind of doesn't want to come to terms with it. But it's like, I should be happy, but I'm, I'm, I don't think I am. But I keep coming back to her because it's safe. You know, it's what <laughs> yeah. I'm used to. Um, and so on. The girl's neurotic about like, I don't know if I want to get married, but I love him and he's great, but I don't know if I want to get married. You know, so you have those characters where everybody's like, you know, like we said, you can connect to it because everybody knows these people or they are these people. Yeah. yeah. Or have been that person, you know, <laughs> at, a, at a certain time. But um, God, it, it, it was hysterical. I can't emphasize enough, everybody. Relationships suck. Playing at Loft. Loftensemble.org is where you go once again for tickets. Playing this weekend, Saturday night, Sunday night, the following Thursday, the following Saturday. Very short run, a mm-hmm. criminally short run for the show, but <laughs> it's not the end. It doesn't mean it's, it's the, the end. end. Yeah. No, not at all. I mean, you know, so there could be some theater group in Wales that co ops it and wants to do it themselves. Like, <laughs> this could, be this could travel. The worldwide audience could be tuning in, like, I got to know about this. <laughs> we got to get our hands on the script and then adapt it and whatever. And so it, it takes place in like Cardiff. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That would be, be really funny. Uh, but anyway, uh, once again, loftensemble.org. And check out the regular run of shows that they have. I love the theater. I, I love going to the theater in general for, uh, of course, Loft Cabaret, which... This coming Friday. <gasps> yeah. We have Cabaret on Friday at 9 p.m. Make a weekend of it, people. Yeah. Go to Loft Cabaret. Dinner it's fun. A couple of bucks. Go see a bunch of great performers, music. Five and bucks for some of the most talented musicians. Definitely. Know. Music, some uh, comedy, possibly mm-hmm. interpretive dance. Um, That's happened I'm before, not sure yet, but possibly, yeah. The show <laughs> will be there this weekend, though. Adam and Sean are going to Adam and Sean from the show, yeah, who've previously been on Cape. Um, at, the, at this point, now at sixty-three, I'm losing track of who was on and what number. <laughs> uh, Jordan Casty, who's been on the show before, Ooh, perhaps might be there. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Hopefully, have him he's been in here. I think he was on 41, 42, something like that. But anyway, a bunch of people have been on here. But I, I love going to that theater because it's it's great. Um, this, and, and by the way, it was at least 102 degrees this weekend. Yeah. And everybody still showed up at the theater and laughed their asses off at <laughs> yeah, the show. So great. once again, a tremendous compliment <laughs> because it was just blistering this weekend. Yeah. And everybody was still there. In. Yeah. Everybody was still there in the theater. Yeah, just shorts, tank tops. Yeah. And yeah, come totally. sweat it out with just us. Don't You're worry about fun. the theater etiquette in this weather. Yeah, <laughs> as fine. far as wardrobe goes. Well, just to be fair, the show <laughs> opens with Javi almost naked. So... <laughs> That's most, the way to kick off a play. people are almost naked almost in this show. There's, yeah, there's, <laughs> almost naked. there's a lot of like 96% nudity in, in this show. <laughs> so if that's your thing, if you don't like theater and you like uh, seeing some skin, <laughs> pony up 10 bucks and go see Relationships Suck once again this weekend and uh, next week as well. Four more shows, get on it. Check out Loft Cabaret. You yeah. can also get tickets as well. Loftonsamble.org. And of course, all the links will be at chrisabal.com. Look for the post for Cape 63. Thank you both for coming in. Thank you. This has been great. Love the show. Thank you again, Laura, for coming back endless times <laughs> <laughs> to be on the show. Uh, and wow, that's it. We're out of time. It's ridiculous. This goes too fast every week, I'm telling you. Uh, Hey, everybody, once again, please subscribe on iTunes. Give the show five stars. We do appreciate it. Uh, You could support the show by visiting all the sponsors and the PayPal button 
at uh, chrisabal.com. Click the support the show tab. And uh, of course, check the show out on YouTube as well. All the links will be at chrisabal.com. And uh, follow the show on every sh- social media platform at Kate Pod. And like the show on Facebook. So until next time, for Lauren Sperling and Javier Santovina. This is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. See you next week.